Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. On today's show, we have, well, let me let me back it up before I tell you who we have on the show. Like, <laughs> like kind of like figuring out like through the grapevine. And this is like the beautiful part of like having podcasts. Like you meet one person that lives in Nevada, Edgar, right? And I had a podcast with him. And then he was just like, yo, I got my buddy. He lives in Atlanta, same town you live in. I'm like, oh, really? Hook me up. Then we get on the phone and we have some commonalities. You know, we had some synergy going. He invited me out to his podcast. So without further ado, man, Bill, how are you doing today? I'm great, brother. Thanks for having me. Great, great. So, I mean, give our audience a little bit more insight about, like, who you are and what you do. Okay. I'm a full-time real estate broker. <clears throat> and I've been fully licensed since 2005. Mm. I got into real estate because I was in IT and I got laid off in 2005. So went and got my real estate license because I had investment properties. Mm. So I was thinking I'm in the game. So let me just go ahead and go full time. And, you know, and it was good. But then in like what the crash happened, oh, nine, went and got my MBA. So by the time I finished getting my MBA, real estate was back. So mm. never even went on one interview, just went full time back into real estate. Yeah, so I mean, like uh, earlier this year, we had like a whole like real estate like month thing. So we had like um, wholesalers, we had funding, we had real estate agents. We also had a guy that kind of buys and flips. But you're like on a different spectrum, right? I mean, all of those are completely separate from what you do. So kind of break down the differences of, of the others versus yourself. So I deal in those realms too. So I, I kind of out the box. So I'm not your traditional real estate broker where I just try to go and buy, sell a house. Mm -hmm. I wear, some people say I wear a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. for, all right, for example, I have one client who came to me and said, okay, I'm a doctor. I have X amount of dollars in the bank and I want to make a nice return. So I, I give you the number. I think it was, it was a couple hundred thousand. So he came to me and said, okay, well, the type of return you want, you won't be able to get with a flip. We have to do several flips and that can just get too messy and not for your first rodeo. Mm -hmm. So I said, how do you feel about new construction? He said, cool, let's go. I said, all right, great. I found him a lot in Sandy Springs for 300,000. Now, he's all in, let's say he's all in at 700,000. Okay. I'm going to list the property for 2 million. So after everything, let's say taxes and fees and we don't get 2 million, let's say we get 1.8, let's say commission and taxes 100, he walk away with 700,000. So, gotcha. unless, so unless you know about GameStop, mm -hmm. or unless you can day trade, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seven hundred thousand hell of a return. 
So, I mean, like, why did, why did you decide? I mean, obviously you could have just stayed as a real estate agent. So just kind of define the difference between a standard real estate agent and a broker. All right. So a standard real estate agent, they kind of start out with their family and friends. Mm-hmm. And most agents in Atlanta got a hundred different hustles. So whenever someone interviews me, I always say, I'm not saying do business with me, but make sure you do business with someone that's full time. Because when you go to a dentist, you don't go to a dentist that doesn't do it full time. You don't go to a dentist that create LLCs, websites. You go to a dentist that does dentistry all day, every day. That's all they do. So that's the one thing I tell everyone is that when you're dealing with an agent, because generally agents are someone they got, they might work a nine to five and they just sell real estate when they get off work or on the weekends. And real estate has a lot of moving parts. And unfortunately the test to pass to get your real estate don't talk about all the moving parts. It just talk about, it's kind of cover the surface. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get people come to me all the time, like, yeah, man, I was trying to deal with so-and-so. I could never reach them. Like, they probably had a job. Hmm. And as a broker, you know, we, we much more hands-on, and we generally have some people under us. Hmm. And to become a broker, you have to be in the field for X amount of time. Hmm. It's, it's, it's like medicine school. You know, they have residency. Mm-hmm. So as a real estate agent, that's your residency. Then as a broker, you you now a doctor. So like this is talking about more so about the brokers, right? I mean, obviously a real estate agent will get paid a commission for selling a deal, but as a broker, you pretty much have real estate agents under you and you get pieces of their pie as well per their sales. Is that correct? I do. I do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm not, go ahead. I'm not greedy though. I don't take I don't take a lot mm-hmm. because some of my most of my agents now, and it's crazy, I got like seven. They were all friends mm-hmm. or highly referred, and I'm just starting out. Mm-hmm. So I'd be the first to tell you. I, I know real estate, but I don't have my team down to a science. So they're almost like guinea pigs. I'm like, you testing me out, I'm testing you out. Mm-hmm. So I don't charge them a lot because I don't have my systems in place yet. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to see what works, what doesn't work. So I, I was transparent with him and told him, like, look, I'm not charging you a lot because I, I can't afford it. I, I can't charge you a lot because mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm in a position to mm-hmm. charge them a lot because I'm not as professional as I need to be. But I told them as we get there, mm-hmm. and if you haven't, once we get there, oh, prices is going up. So you're talking about professionalism, and I think, you know, on your journey, you had a lot of successes here and there as well. I mean, you had an opportunity to be on, like, a TV show recently. I think that was, like, 2020. Why don't you talk about that show a little bit? So the show, they reached out to me 2019. I thought it was a – I thought it was, like, fraud. Because – oh, it's, and it's funny, too. So they were reaching out to me, and Mary, at first sight, were reaching out to me. And I – I had never heard of either one of them. So I was just sending them both the voicemail, uh, not returning their calls. Not... So I, I did some research and was like, oh, both of these are real. Hmm. So of course I chose the real estate one. 
And I just can't see me doing marriage at first sight. I mean, they kept reaching out to me and they wouldn't stop. So I finally said, okay, I make X amount a month. So unless you're gonna charge me or give me X amount, stop calling me. And they stopped calling me. So, I mean, how do, how do those deals work? I mean, I've, I had some um, other podcasts recently where a guy, he's working on his YouTube channel and he's trying to work that into like a Netflix deal. So, I mean, like how did that 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 business side of television work out for you? It's cool. It's still going. It's mm-hmm. it's They came to me mm-hmm. because they don't really have that many people in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was almost... I think I was the first, I wasn't the first one in Atlanta, but I know I was one of the first ones in Atlanta. So to them, they just approached me and said, hey, you know, we like your work ethic. We like what you're doing and we would like to have it on our show. So as I looked and did some research on it, I said, okay, it can be a win-win. So, and for me, I was doing it to try to get on another show, Mm -hmm. but the other, another show reached out to me, but I could never get what they wanted. So the other show, they specifically want you to have two listings side by side. Mm. You know how hard that is. <laughs> is there a duplex count? Nah, nah duplex <laughs> don't count. They want you to have two houses side by side in the same neighborhood. I'm like, mm. man, do you know how hard this is? So I never got on the second show because I can never get two houses side by side in the same neighborhood. So they they wanted to have a show and showing how how the two families stage the house, or mm. they wanted to make. I can't really remember the concept, but I just know that that was the main ingredient. But I I never got on I never got on the show, and that one was go, the the first show that I'm on. It's internet show. Apple TV, Amazon. But the other one was going to be like a major network. But I couldn't never get it. So let's step back and time travel a little bit. Like, where are you from originally? Just to start with that. North Carolina. Okay. So how does how how did you grow up in North Carolina and, and decide that you wanted to get into real estate? Because, I mean, I, I wouldn't think that was your, probably your first choice, but how did you get into it? I'm, actually, I'm third generation. So my mm. grandfather was in, in it. My father was in it. My uncle was in it. But I was really, my eyes really opened to it because in the 80s, I saw my uncle had a house in Durham, North Carolina, where I'm from. Mm. And he had a house in Florida, and they both had pools. Mm. And I know a lot of people young, they probably won't think that much of that. But when I was coming up, <laughs> to see a black dude with two houses, both of them had a, 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 a pool, and he had multiple Porsches that wasn't selling drugs or wasn't in any, any field of entertainment. I was like, oh, I'm hooked. I, I ain't even know what real estate was. I was like, I do real estate. I'm doing real estate. Nice, nice. So, I mean, on this real estate journey, I mean, obviously, you know, you became a real estate agent, you became a broker, and anybody that's on an entrepreneurial journey like like you've been, there's always some kind of crazy hurdle or crazy story. What's the most crazy or interesting thing that's ever happened to you while on this journey? Man, I'm dealing with it right now. 
Yeah, I'm dealing with it right now. Uh, you you live in Cobb, right? Yeah. All right. Yep. You know you know what paper mill is? Yeah, I do. Okay. You got your phone in front of you? <laughs> Phone's in front of me. All right. Google forty three forty one paper mill road. Forty three. Forty one. Forty one. Paper mill road. Paper mill road, northeast, southeast. It should just come up. Yeah, okay, I got it. All right. What do you see? Well, I'm trying to give me directions. Uh, nah, go to go to the, the house or the rendering. It's a rendering. Is it a new lot or old? Actually, it's a, it's a house that needs to be torn down. But when you Google it, the rendering should come up. Did the rendering come up? Nah, it's taking me to Google Maps to, and it's showing me like the, the <laughs> lot. It's not showing me anything related to the house. All right. If you go to Google mm -hmm. and just type it in, it should bring it up. And not the lot. It should bring up the rendering or the project that I'm currently involved in. So tell me, tell me more about this project when I, when I look it up. All right. So this is a project where the owner has the home on paper mill. Okay. So you, I don't know if you know. I see it. Paper mill. All right. Yeah, I see, I see the, I see the um, six zeros. All right. All right, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Okay. So long story short, the owner came to me and said, I want 1.2 for, for my land, for my lot. Okay. I said, sir, I can't get you 1.2. But if you allow me to build on it, I can get you 1.2. So he said, okay, let's go. Now, where it get tricky, I had a builder who I brought to the table who tried to go around me. So now I gotta start all over and I just acquired a new builder. So that's that's what I that's what the most interesting and hurdle I have now because one. I gotta start all over. Two, when a lot of money involved, people start acting real weird and funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this property. So just for, for the viewers that that haven't had opportunity to pull it up, first of all, I mean, it, does it, does this damn place have like four garages or eight garages? Like, how many garages does this thing have? You can have six to eight. Okay, and is that like a a golf course on the roof? Yes, that's put put on the roof. Jesus. And what it didn't have, it has a cabana in the cabana in the back. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. the one thing it doesn't have. That what it, the rendering doesn't show. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just looking at the rendering. So I mean, this thing is going for like four million, four million dollars. And I mean, yeah, it's definitely a Cobb residence, 100 percent through and through. So, like dealing with properties of that scale, I mean, obviously the commissions could be great, but I would think deals like that probably take a lot longer to close than a standard, regular three hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars deal. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because it's so many moving parts. The mm -hmm. only, well, the the main blessing in it is that the owner owns it free and clear. So mm -hmm. being that he owns it free and clear, it opens up the possibility. Now it's still difficult mm -hmm. because it's only a small pool of people that can buy that afford yeah. that much. But you'll be surprised. I'm getting a lot of activity on it. 
Mm-hmm. And to backtrack a little bit, but what we spoke about earlier, mm-hmm. the reason it's been such, it's so difficult is because the first project that I was telling you about where the doctor's looking at walking away with 700,000, mm-hmm. that's going to be the model house. And it's being completed now. Mm-hmm. And oh, hopefully it'll be done in a month. Hopefully it'll be done in a month. Okay. So the problem is whenever someone is buying a house of that magnitude, mm-hmm. they want to the first thing they say is, okay, well, let me see your work. Well, I, mm-hmm. I haven't been able to show them my work because the other house hasn't been done yet. So that's why I was saying it's so difficult because mm-hmm. it's so many things out of my control. Is, you ever heard a term like herding cats, herding cats? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck yeah, that's you. what it's almost like. It's like <laughs> herding cats. Hmm. That's pretty, I mean, why did, I mean, obviously there's different style of brokers, right? There's one broker that may say, you know, well, we want a neighborhood full of HUD homes, right? And then you have the other side and you have the middle grade. So you're obviously on more of the upper echelon. I mean, this one property essentially is $4 million. And I know like part of your answer is going to be the commissions are great. But do you have anything else, like a lower grade home in like your portfolio, or you strictly are on the luxury side of things? Oh no, I do flips too, like small scale flips. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I do small scale flips, and actually, I didn't even do that for the com- the, the commission. Hmm. The, the one I'm working on, so the model house, I just did that because he wanted a higher ROI, hmm. so higher risk, higher reward. That's how that came about. So it's not. As I just set out to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to be luxury. Uh-huh. He just came to me and said he want a certain dollar amount. I said, okay, well, this is this this way you need to go. And then on the $4 million one, I mean, I, I got it. He want, he want 1.2 just for the land. Uh-huh. So for him to get 1.2 for the land, I got to build something that makes sense. Uh-huh. So that's how I ended up in luxury. But no, I, I'm working on the house now in Atlanta. We in it. The owner bought it for like one twenty-six. Actually, I'm working out of a, a minority-owned hedge fund out of California. Nice. So they in it for one twenty-six. Probably gonna put one twenty into it. So let's say we all in two fifty, mm-hmm. but it should sell no problem for four hundred. Gotcha, gotcha. And I mean, and in the scope of things, I mean be a hedge fund, I mean, obviously that's not the only deal that they're probably doing. So that's still big money collectively based upon how many deals they're doing at the same time. So this is dive into like a business model a little bit more. I mean, is, is your system set up like, I talked to other realtors and they're usually underneath a branch or they, they're usually under like a, or another realtor or a realty firm. Is your company set up that way? And if it is, I mean, do you have an LLC, an S Corp or a C Corp? Yeah, I have an S Corp. And okay. I, I am under Palmer House. Yeah, I'm under Palmer House, and I have a, I have LLCs too, but I haven't even used my LLC because I've been doing so many other projects for people that I haven't started my own projects. So generally, I want to get into my own projects, just because I'm tired of making other people rich. Like I mean, when we close a transaction, it always say cash the seller. Mm-hmm. Man, them numbers, Zeros. them numbers be getting crazy. I'm like, man, I'm playing myself. Hmm. So 
we always hear about like the 20 years it takes someone to become successful and then to the outside. Somebody may be listening to this and saying like, this guy is selling $4 million houses. He's, you know, he has another deal in Atlanta that's like 1.5 million. Like, and they never heard of you, right? So it's kind of like an overnight success. How long did it take you to get to currently where you are? <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> well, almost. I started in 05, so almost. Okay. Yeah, okay. almost, almost, almost. Yeah. So if you if you could go backwards in time, what's one thing that if you could do it all over again, you would change? That's a lot. But the main thing, man, I tell anybody, go with your gut. Because I had so many gut feelings about things that didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I just look back and be like, oh, God. And one of them, not in real estate, one of them outside the box. Um, it's mm-hmm. Ethereum. I heard about Ethereum when it was pennies. You know, Coinbase. Yeah, yeah. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. I mean, somebody came to me like the. There was yeah, I was crazy. I was like, ah, uh, didn't pull the trigger on it. Pull the trigger on something else, and that flopped. So, mm-hmm. I would say go with your gut because my gut said went with Ethereum, but the other one was a much more well known. Uh, just be honest with you, it was trucking. Shouldn't have never got into it. Lost a lot of money, mm-hmm. and I would say. The one thing I learned is um, stick with what you're good at. And I'm good at real estate. So I wasn't good at trucking. It's just something I just wanted to get another revenue stream. Trying to make trying to make money mm-hmm. and end up lo- losing more money. Hmm. So I was I would definitely say if someone on a journey, man, go go with your gut, man. And another gut I had was the belt line. Hmm. But at that time, it was during the recession. I just didn't have the funds, but I, I still think I could have made it happen if I just would have hunkered down and, and, and been serious about it. Because the belt line, they were lit, the belt line by Sleddy Vegan, mm-hmm. before the belt line started, like before they made that introduction, man, them houses were going for $10,000. Them houses now selling for 400 half a mil was going for $10,000. Crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, the Beltline project has been on the floor for like decades. So it's kind of one of those things you could have sat and held it, but, you know, your payday, you didn't know when the payday was going to come. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. But you're right. You didn't know when. But here's the thing. Rent in Atlanta has always been strong. If something costs $10,000, you can rent it <laughs> at yeah, least for full. <laughs> yeah. You got your money back the first year. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. Definitely right about that. So that would be the, the major one, like that whole belt line. Like, oh, man, I missed. I like, I missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm sick to my stomach about that. So, I mean, what system are you you're talking about? You're growing your practice and, you know, you're, you're trying to formulate your team. Like, I mean, what kind of systems do you kind of have in place? I mean, like, how are you finding your leads? How are you managing your team? Like, what you got going on right now? So my leads, there's no rhyme or reason with my leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, my leads is calling and trying to stay close with my spirit mm-hmm. as well as just trying to take care of people that I've done business with. And, you know, just try to do the small thing. Like, for example, now I got a client now. He's a first-time home buyer. And he's like, hey, man, I need a garage door. I was like, all right, cool. I'll buy a garage door for your house home present. 
Mm-hmm. He, he, I'm thinking it's a small gesture. And he floored by it. Mm-hmm. So people remember stuff like that. And also, too, in my business, you got to remember people not dumb. So a lot of people in real estate, they think people are dumb. Like, they really, really, really think people are dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, people know when you rushing them. People know when you got other stuff going on. People can sense that, and they remember that. So mm-hmm. they like, I just felt like I was a number or I was a check. Mm-hmm. They not going to do business with you. So for me, it's just, you know, trying to stay in contact. And generally when I meet somebody, you know, we cool. Like I went to Columbia for New Year's and I went to Columbia. And this is my second time going with one of my clients. So I try to, it doesn't, we don't always, I don't always get that cool, but I try to go to their house afterwards. I just try to stay in contact with them and just let them know, like, I'm not looking at you like a chick. Mm. I'm I'm looking at you because I'm grateful that you gave me the opportunity. Because here's the thing. You can go in your backyard and pick up a rock and throw it and hit a real estate agent. Because there's, a, I mean, it's that many real estate agents. So when you do business with me, I'm grateful that you gave me the opportunity because you didn't have to give me the opportunity. Mm. And I treated it as such. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely, I definitely commend you for that because, I mean, being in the space, I can kind of see that. Some people kind of look at, okay, if let's say, and a lot of times when I talk to somebody, like if I'm, if I'm like trying to work on land or I'm looking for like a land opportunity and I get on the phone with somebody, I'm not going to allude to them about how much that I want to spend or really want to spend. I just want to kind of hear like what they have to offer based upon something small. And I may say, hey, I'm looking for like $20,000, $30,000 acre of land, South Georgia. And based upon that response, and you know it's going to be something like that, it's kind of like, eh, it's a drop in the bucket, right? But they don't know that may be a bigger part of a bigger portfolio, and we're just looking for an add-on. So a lot of times, people will just push that to the side, but it seems like you're more like, okay, well, let me work with this person because this may be the tip of the iceberg. Also, too, you never know who know who. True. I mean, you never know who know who. Never. That's right. And you can't especially in my book, you can't judge a book by its cover. Cause, you're right about you know that. I'm saying? Somebody might pull up in a $100,000 car, might got on $100,000 in jewelry and clothes, and their credit is a four hundred, and they ain't got no money in the bank. So you cannot judge a book by its cover. That's what, right about that. that's what I would definitely tell anybody on this journey. Because most people with money don't, don't look like it. <laughs> right. And most people that's, that's looking like they got money mm-hmm. right. don't have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, real. but in society, especially, unfortunately, in our community, mm-hmm. they they always go out the way shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about perception, man. Definitely about perception. So, yeah. I mean, I think earlier you alluded to um, you have an entrepreneurial background as far as like, you know, you had family members. Like, was that like just one particular business? Everybody in the bloodline was more so real estate or did you have any other hustlers in your family? I would say I had more hustlers. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, one of them wasn't legal. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 
I would definitely say I come from a family of hustlers. You know, all of them were uh, legal. It wasn't that bad. It was just weed, and it's crazy. It's legal someplace wow. now, right? How, yeah, it's legal now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because so I just think like, man, are they gonna let all these people out? That's on weed charges. That, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I come from a family of hustlers because both my grandfathers had jobs and had jobs. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So, I mean, how do you juggle your work life with your family life? Oh, I'm single with no kids, bro. So, no family. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, I mean, you may have aunts, uncles, dad, mom. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, my father's deceased. So, my, my mom and I are real close. Uh, but actually, man, my mom doing her thing. Like, my mom, mm-hmm. my mom got a boyfriend. And, like, man, they, they travel the world. Like, they about to go nice. to Hawaii. Yeah, they about to go to Hawaii. So, you know, my mom, if it weren't for COVID, she'd probably be in Vegas right now. Hmm. Yeah, she went, not this Super Bowl, she went to the last Super Bowl. So my mom, my mom got more social life than me. Hmm. Interesting. So, <laughs> I mean, what's your morning routine, your morning habits? Uh, so my morning habits, hold on, hold on. I can show you better than I can tell you. I know people might be like, what's that? So this is a book. I'm not co-signing it. They did not ask me to co-sign it, but you asked me what's my morning ritual. Nice. So this book talk about uh, morning rituals. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also challenging too. So it also says you should find somebody to thank every day. Now I'm struggling on that part. It says get up and meditate. I'm good on that part. I'm good on the meditation. I'm good on the starting your day positive. But it says every day, you know, you should... Mm-hmm. Just reach out to someone random and say thank you for so and so. I'm like, damn, that's the hardest. That's the hardest part. So that's so this book talks about that. You know, it just talks about using your time wisely, mm-hmm. and it also piggybacks off um, richest man in Babylon. Nice. So, nice. so what's the title of that book? He says, "It's Slight Edge." Yeah, the slight edge. It's and who was the author? The slight edge. I can't see the, the the author's name. Jeff Jeff Olson. Yeah, it's funny, funny that you know. I was like, is he going to a bookcase? Like, what is he going? So, I mean, exactly what you just did. I mean, literally, like eight out of ten of people that I've interviewed all pretty much read books or audio books, or they work out and they do yoga, or they do meditation. But it seems like book is a common denominator. So, because of that, I decided to create a book club. So, like, my next question was, like, do you have any books that you're currently reading, which obviously you are, but what books helped you on your journey? Like, you know, what books would you want to recommend for the, for the book club members to, to see kind of what were you reading as you were progressing? Oh, uh, man, let me look at my library. So, uh, hold on. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's so funny when, when I always see somebody looking at their library and it's always they always look up, look down, look around. It's like like a six foot tall bookcase. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So here's the. All right, I'm bad. I just had to look at it. I would say one, if you start now, and this will help me too. The main one I would say is the energy bus for an entrepreneur if you're trying to get your team together. But if you just starting out, I would say the richest man in Babylon. Because the richest man in Babylon talks about principles Uh before Jesus was born that are still 
today. They're still prevalent today. And I just wish, especially in our community, some of these principles were taught when we went to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's a short read too. I mean, the book is like less than a hundred pages. So it's, it's a, you can read the book in one day easy. Definitely read yeah, it. Definitely. But yeah, definitely, I definitely work out too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're right. Most entrepreneurs that are in this space that are successful, actually, I don't think I'm successful, but the world would say I'm successful by the units I sell mm-hmm. and my income. Mm-hmm. But I hold myself to a high standard, especially for being in this mm-hmm. game so long. Like, I don't think I'm successful. You got to stay hungry and motivated. And I think that's most people that are not entrepreneurs, they don't understand it. They think a nine to five, they're getting paid six figures and they're okay. But as an entrepreneur, we get paid six figures and, and we're like, what the hell? Like we had a bad year. Oh, and yeah. You, you're like, how the hell did one year you get half a mil? The next year you at, at, at let's say 325 or even 125. You're like, Jesus, how the hell did I go backwards? And then the next year you triple it up and you continue well, actually, to grow. Actually, I've been at the same for like the past three years, and it's driving me crazy. Yeah, so I mean, so that's the that's the point of like um this this is a Jewish proverb that talks about lobster, and a lobster has to become uncomfortable in order for it to break out of its shell. So like, you're at that point, you got to get uncomfortable, man. In order for you to grow, you're gonna have to feel some something that's making you more so uncomfortable, and maybe it's not the numbers, maybe it's, it's something else. And it's crazy that you said that. Because, and I want to say in 07, mm-hmm. I took up boxing. Mm. And the reason I took up boxing is just what you said. You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I can't think of anything else where you force to be comfortable and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you across the mofo that want to whoop your ass. Every time. Yes. Every time. It's funny that you said that. I remember Mike Tyson was saying all, all that training goes out the door once you get punched in the face. Yeah, man. And it, it does. It, it literally does. It, I mean, it literally does. It literally does. It's like, damn. And I ain't never realized how tense boxing was. Because, you know, you look at it on TV. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with that, it just taught me a lot. You know, because, all right, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay the year before was horrible. Brady come, then win Super Bowl. But it's a whole bunch of, but still it's a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. It's still a whole bunch of people. Boxing, it's just you and that's the other opponent. They could put you and I on Tampa Bay next year and still go to Super Bowl and win it. But if you aren't ready and you get in that boxing ring, it's going to be real short. It's going to be a wrap. And you might wake up with a body part not working the next day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I took mixed martial arts for, for, for a period of time there, and it was just kind of interesting that you say that because you could break an arm. <laughs> you could get yeah. an arm bar and break an arm. You could get choked out. You could get kicked in the head and be knocked out for 30 seconds. So, exactly. uh, so it's definitely it's real, even when you're just sparring for fun. Yeah, yeah. And that's crazy, too, because I don't spar for fun many times and, and do catch feelings. Next thing I know, we fight for real. I'm like, man, I thought this was <laughs> you can't quit. Like, for real. Like, one time this dude had a fight coming up. And it was like, all right, man, we're gonna throw you in the ring with this dude. He got a fight coming up, and he's not gonna swing at you. He just wanna practice his defense. I'm like, all right, man, let's go. Okay. Man, I called dude clean a couple times. 
that last round, it was a real fight. And I ain't gonna lie, he was a heavyweight. I'm a buck 65. I was doing a lot of running. I ain't even gonna lie, I was doing a lot of running, bro. A lot of cardio training, it's not like that. <laughs> I, I was doing a lot of running. I, Cause I obviously I pissed the ball. And that I didn't mean to do that. Hmm. Crazy. So, yes, so. so where do you see yourself in 20 years from now, man? On the beach somewhere retired. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. I mean, that's a straight up answer. Yeah. So, uh, so currently right now in your business, you, you're working on your systems, you're working on your structure. I mean, what software do you use on a daily basis? You would not be able to do your business without. Man, real simple. This and this simple. And I think it's free. Hmm. Google calendar. Hmm. I mean, I have some fancy ones, but I can't say I can't live without, but that Google calendar. Cause I mean, I speak to so many people. Uh, I'm not ready. Call me back in two months. Google Calendar. Hmm. Oh, you really called back? Oh, you really remember? Google Calendar. Calendar. Google, I mean, for real, like in my yes. business. So I might catch somebody. Hey, I just got just pulled up. Got to take the groceries in. Uh, call me back next week, same day, same time. Google Calendar. My Google Calendar. Sometimes it's like blank. And then sometimes it's event, 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 event. Hmm. Okay, okay. So going to like the final words of wisdom, let's say I'm young, 20 year old, maybe 30, and I'm trying to, maybe I want to get into real estate. What words of advice would you give to me to keep me to move forward on that journey? Man, I would definitely say, and I'm sure you heard them, and most people, unless you've been on the rock, I would say, man, Listen to Gary V. Cause Gary V talk about how he sacrificed his twenties mm-hmm. and now he's reaping rewards from sacrificing his twenties. And that's I, that's the best way I can put it. That's real. That's definitely real. So I mean, I, I would think anybody listening to the show has heard of Gary Vee. If you haven't heard of Gary Vee, then I'm not sure what rock you're slipping under. But <laughs> in the first 30 seconds, he probably curse you out. So just, just FYI, search him out and, and be alarmed and not be alarmed at the same time. But what he says is definitely real. So, I mean, how can people find you? I mean, like, like what's your website, your social media profiles, your Yahoo account, your, your Twitter account, your Everything. YouTube account? What you got? And you know what? It's a shame, but I got to look it up because... My operations manager handles all that, so I gotta look at my handle. I gotta look at it. So everything is the Harris team. Harris team ATL. That's what everything is. Perfect. IG, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat coming soon. Probably Clubhouse coming soon. Uh, yeah, if yeah. you're not on Clubhouse, you need to hurry up and get on Clubhouse ASAP. Well, I just hired somebody to do my social media. I know we talked about it, but this is. This person is substantially less. I hope that doesn't mean that they work ethic is less, but yes. Fair so enough. I, I mean, hey, as long as you get it rolling, that's the most important thing, man, is getting some of that content. I mean, you got content for days, and I mean, the houses you're working on, I've seen some of the houses you worked on, and they're phenomenal cribs. You could do MTV cribs just on the houses you're working on. So you got to put them out there, definitely. Thank so you. going into the bonus round, right? Yeah. If you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Uh, uninterrupted? Uninterrupted, 24 hours, dead or alive. Man. 
I'm gonna have to go Martin Luther King, bro. Because I don't think most people understand, man. Dude was educated. Dude had, like, his doctorate at, like, 20 and could have been in a, a lawyer and could have been paid. Like, dude was smart. Like, I don't think people realize how smart he was. And he died at 39. You know how much work he had to put in to die at 39? Most people think he, like, lived, like, 60, 70. Like, no, he died at 39. So I just have to be like, man, like, how could you sacrifice that much of your life? And what another another thing people don't realize, because he got so many streets named after him now and he's mm-hmm. loved, that man was hated. He was hated by black and white when he was killed. Mm-hmm. They love him now. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely say Martin Luther King, and then next would probably be Ali, because you know they they sacrificed so much. Uh-huh. And now they and now people look at them with such respect. But when they was, but when they was living, man, I mean, they was, they went through hell. Yeah, I think anybody in that generation, right? You're talking about like Malcolm X was another one in that generation. Yeah. Um, Sam Cook. Like the more and more I look into Sam Cook's history and his life, is the more and more my mouth hits the floor you every time I think. Easy, right? Dude, they came out with movies, plural, man. There's a bunch of them out at this Ooh. point in time. They about to come out with a Sam Cook, Malcolm X. Oh, you talking about the Miami joint? It's already out. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one. That one. Yeah, 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 that yeah. one. That, one. That, 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 that was the first time, like, I, you know who Sam Cook is. You know who these people are. But then I was like, yo, like, I mean, just, just for the shits and giggles, let me look up what their net worths were. So I look up Ali, and Ali is, like, you know, close to, like, 100. Right. Malcolm, Malcolm was, like, it almost hurt me to say that Malcolm was like a hundred thousand, right? And then I'm looking at like the, the actor, and he was like forty. And then I look at Sam Cook, and Sam Cook was worth like three hundred mil. <laughs> it's like three hundred mil in that time frame versus everyone else. You got to think about the work that he put in, and he died before he was like forty two. So it was like it was crazy. It was yeah. crazy, completely yeah. crazy. But I'm I'm gonna tell you what's real crazy though, and I ain't trying to like take this left, mm-hmm. but. A lot of research shows that men, we generally don't figure this thing out called life till we get 40. And really? I'm not saying Jack or Hoover did it on purpose, but it's odd that Ali, I mean, not Ali, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X were both killed when they were 39. So just think, if all that before, and me and Gene don't figure out life, they get 40? Yeah. It's crazy to see, like, what they would have done after 40. Because mm-hmm. both of them was like, you know what, man? We've been going about this thing kind of wrong. Like, man, mm-hmm. let's link up. And it was like, all right. But they never got a chance. They they met at the White They They bumped each other at the White House. Mm-hmm. They spoke briefly. They were supposed to meet. And that's thing, you know. Out of here. Yeah, crazy man. But to your point, it'd have been interesting to see if I mean it's interesting to see anybody that would have made it past their original legacy. Because to your point, it's like a turning point, right? Mid midlife crisis happens to everyone, and they didn't even have an opportunity to even hit that midlife situation. So I definitely, definitely um think that's some interesting answers. So I mean, this this is funny. I'm gonna because you and I had a whole conversation about this next question, right? <laughs> and I and I was telling you to go ahead and ask your team this question. You remember that question? Nah, I don't remember, bro. If you could be a superhero, who would it be and why? 
Oh, man. I, I forgot what I said. I forgot what I said. Uh, well, I, the last time I spoke to you about it, you saying you was going to go back and you, you had a meeting that day and you were supposed to ask your team that meeting. At the meeting, uh, asking that question. I don't know what I said, but I'm going to go with Black Panther. It's Black uh, History, man. I'm going to go with Black Panther. <laughs> it's Black History, but I'm going to go with Black Panther. And Wakanda seems like it's cool as hell. Like, I love to go to Wakanda, man. Wakanda. Yeah. Well, typically, you live in Wakanda, Atlanta. I mean, most of it was shot here, so. Yeah, and, and that's the sad part about it. And I wish that, I wish that there was a way that we could show people how much opportunity here. Like, I wish we could take them to the spots like Wisconsin or mm. some spots where they could see where there's no brothers and sisters really getting to money mm. or taking to parts of the country where the the average, just not black person, the average minority don't have the opportunities they have here. Hmm. Like Atlanta got a lot of opportunities. Like you can see, it's not, cause I know a lot of people come here and they shot. Like when they come hmm. here and, and got to go to like the courthouse or go to a bank and see the person in charge. Hmm. They had they so surprised that when it's a minority because in other parts of the country, it's still you still gonna be dealing with someone white when you gotta do hmm. anything. Hmm. So I know and I say they black, but I'm just talking about it's so many minorities here, like Latins, Asians, black, just yeah. yeah. And that's why you see so many cultures here. Yeah, it's becoming like New York. So I mean, I, I grew up in Brooklyn. So I mean, so to your point, like that's New York. New York is the epicenter for the multicultural. And to your point, I've been in Atlanta long enough to kind of see that shift. For the longest, it was, you know, African-American and Caucasians. And now it's kind of like everyone else and everything in between. Oh, no. I study trends. Mm -hmm. The highest ownership and the highest income earners are not Black, white, or Latin. They're Asian. Yes, yeah. I study trends. I study finance. Oh. They get to it. And it's crazy because they so silent about it. Hmm. Yes, they they make um, substantially higher than all other races, including white. Yeah, I can definitely see. I mean, I, we went to Shanghai, I think it was like two years ago. And to, just to see Shanghai now and to see Shanghai 20 years ago, 20 years ago it was farmland. And today it makes New York look like the hood. <laughs> it makes Times Square it looks like they're outdated. It's completely yeah. night and day difference in 20 years. So I mean, but then again, it's 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 the financial capital of Asia too. So it's definitely right. to your point. Once you get a system figured out and you know how to work that system, then you're gonna work yeah. it and pass it on to the next generation and pass it to the yeah, next and generation. That's what it is. They got systems because they're rising and Latins are rising. And generally what it is is it's just families, because unfortunately, uh people that that are Americanized, we don't really cherish family or we don't really have that family structure or family dynamics. Mm -hmm. And Latins and Asians tend still to have that, that infrastructure in place. Gotcha, gotcha. So this is the time of the podcast, man, when like, you know, we, we talked about several different topics, talked about your business strategy, talked about like where you are. So I always give whoever I'm interviewing an opportunity to interview me. If you have any questions, this is the time, man. Oh, I told you, man, I, I'm loving that backdrop. So I need, to get in contact with you for that backdrop, because that's awesome. Because my backdrop sucks. I will be the first to admit it. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, when, I, when you came on, I was just like, man, I don't even want to turn my camera on. Like, look at this backdrop. Look at my backdrop. So that's what, <laughs> that's what I need. Like, that backdrop, man, that thing phenomenal. Like, that's what I need. But, you know, as you stated, I'm new on my podcast journey, but still, I need that. I, I, I need that. Got you. Yeah, we, de- we definitely got you. It's funny, man, because, like, like when, when he interviewed me on his podcast, your, your camera wasn't working, and you tried to pull that same thing coming on this podcast, and I was like, come on, man. People want to <laughs> see you, man. People want to see you. I mean, they can hear you, but, I mean, eventually yeah. this, this video is going to be published, too. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time out your busy schedule, man, restarting the computer, getting the camera running, and getting on the podcast today, brother. Definitely, man. Definitely, definitely. Like I said, I'm serious, bro. Let's talk. Like, I'm going to email you probably tonight to remind yep. you to send me where I can go for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That goes without saying, man. But again, man, I appreciate you coming out, man. And again, I look forward to seeing some other properties. And, and I've been following kind of what you've been doing. I've been watching like your videos. And I think we had some commonalities with construction people as well, too. I think it was, it was I think they was OT, was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely some some common footwork. But again, I think your cribs should be on cribs. So I'm going to keep on watching and keep on seeing you build the empire that you're building, brother. I'm trying to, man. I'm trying to. I'm trying to, bro. But appreciate it. Now, like I said, man, I just thank you for having me on. Mm-hmm. And hey, man, like I said, I need that backdrop, brother. So <laughs> Got yeah. you. No problem, man. That's right, a great. Over and out. Have a good one, bro. Peace. You too. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- 233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.